Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Welcome to our next installment in our Make Disciples podcast series, where we are covering what a disciple is, who we are in Christ, and then what are the characteristics of a follower of our King. Today, we are discussing the next characteristic that disciples witness. And to adequately cover this topic, we have Michael, our resident of physiologist. I'm Andrew Johnson, associate pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas. And we are joined today by Tim Ketchum. Now, Tim... He hails to us from the Nashville area. He is a speaker and an encourager and a, a an instigator of all things APEST. And presently, the most, the latest and greatest that he is a part of is aiming to start a movemental church plant in Nashville called One Life. So, Tim, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's really cool to be connected with y'all and talk about this topic. Now yeah, that was certainly better yeah. than being just connected on Facebook after all these years. Good to see each other live. No doubt. I think I, I would always encourage just just go for the face to face meeting. Facebook, what a funny title, because it's a lie, right? You don't really actually see faces. But uh the the Zoom era has allowed us to connect uh where all we are. And Tim, it's good to see you. Um, now, I gave very brief sketches. Um, can you help fill in that with a little bit of color? Um, what are some important things that people would need or could know about you to uh, help us understand you better? Yeah, um, I spend a lot of my time trying to develop, uh, I guess, training around APEST. And I've got a lot of things in the pipeline, but haven't finished them yet. So <laughs> I'm in the process on uh, developing some things. And so I do coaching and training around that. Uh, we're also doing a church plant here in Nashville. And it's sort of a cell celebration uh, model is kind of like what we're aiming for. But I guess modern day language would be like the micro church, except um, uh, something like the the KC underground, but we would probably have a little bit more emphasis on a public gathering than the underground does. So. Okay. Um, we brought you on to talk about the the necessity of disciples witnessing. Disciples witness. So mm-hmm. help us understand what what do you understand about witnessing and how disciples step into that? And, you, yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised, Tim, if you kind of framed this in the apest uh, typology, because mm-hmm. really we're talking about evangelism, aren't we? The or, or the E, the evangelist, in some way, equipping the church to, uh, to share the gospel. Yeah, I'd, I would definitely uh, register it through that lens. I would kind of index it in that way. And uh, I was actually doing a little bit of... Uh, digging into the word uh, witness or martyr, uh, as the Greek word is. And so, um, yeah, I in in some sense, there is a, uh, a little bit of an irony as to how we tend to use the word martyr and how uh, it's used in the book of Acts. And, um, you know, the, the word martyr in the Greek basically implies you're basically giving a testimony or you're talking about something that either you have seen or heard or... It could just be some kind of conviction that you have. 
And there, there is kind of like a courtroom legal context for that. Uh, there is the idea that you get called in, you know, by someone to bear witness um, on the stand, as it were. And but there's also just a um, uh, it doesn't have to be in a legal context. It doesn't have to be a courtroom setting. It can be anywhere where something is in dispute or it can be where there's a question or there's some kind of uh, controversy. And so uh, the irony to me is that the way this term martyr has evolved is that it's tended to talk about somebody who's willing to die uh, for their uh, convictions. Mm -hmm. And so when you look in the book, the book of Acts, um, the primary focal point of our witness is actually about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm. And I think that that's a really, um, it's really fertile ground, I think, for us talking about what does it mean for us to witness and for the resurrection of Jesus to be the primary focal point of that witness. And um, yeah, so that's, that's uh, I guess that may get us going here a little bit. I'm not sure. Hmm. Well, what definitely gets us going for certain and, and put that in terms of or how do you see it framed in the, the apes typology how does yeah, that fit? so um i'm sorry go ahead how does that fit yeah so um you know the, the evangelist uh you know basically means the a, a messenger of good news and so um I think bearing witness actually has uh, very strong connections with the evangelist, but it also has very strong connections with the apostolic um, gifting as well. And, uh, you know, the the prophetic shepherding and teaching, um, it can connect with that. Like you can knee bone connected to the hip bone kind of thing. Um, but I think it has more resonance with the apostolic and the evangelistic as far as proclaiming a message. Um, and talking about something that's actually going to turn, uh, the trajectory of somebody's life in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that of course can happen all in one setting. You know, it can happen in a short window in which we, uh, kind of tell the whole story or it can happen over time in little blocks, little tiny windows that get linked together. And of course, God is working with people in between those little windows in which we're asking questions, sharing our thoughts and perspectives, our convictions. Um, but I do think the prophet and the shepherd and teacher require some equipping from the evangelist and the, and the apostle in, in order to become proficient in declaring the good news. Um, in some ways, the prophet can sometimes drift into a little bit more of a critique or a little bit more of a, a, a strong challenge mm -hmm. um, to their audience, to the people they're talking with. And it can actually, um, you know, may not come across necessarily as good news um, as far as as far as, uh, uh, as a default for them and the way they communicate. And uh, shepherds, of course, are tend to be more drawn to people who are inside the community and not outside the community of faith. And so they need some equipping on how to initiate conversations and to start relationships with people that are outside uh, the body of Christ. Um, and then teachers tend to be drawn more to people inside the community as well. And so they can face some of those same challenges with initiating 
um, gospel conversations with people. So if I'm hearing you right, uh, those who are, you know, with that gift of evangelism or the, uh, the, the place of the evangelist, um, we don't just leave it to the ease to tell people about Jesus. You're, you're saying that um, though they might be gifted and as well as the apostle type are gifted with the sharing of this good news, yet it's all of our responsibility. Is that, are you, are you telling me that Tim? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like if you get into Ephesians four, each one of the giftings is supposed to equip the rest of the body in the basic skills and sensibilities of what that gifting is. And so um, I think at the very least, uh, like the low bar entry, the low bar requirement for all the giftings for every person in the body is to be able to talk about what Jesus has done for you. Um, mm. That's a good starting point, I think, uh, that there's an intersection between the, the story of the gospel and my story. And, you know, First Peter 2 talks about how he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light so that we can show forth the praises of him, you know, who called us out. And so you're essentially bragging on Jesus. This is what he's done for me. And um, I think that that's a low bar entry. Everyone should be able to do that. And some people call that sharing your testimony. Um, and uh, but I, I love that as a descriptor. That, yeah, I love that as a descriptor for it, what it means to be a witness, that uh, that we're all capable of telling others, sharing with others uh, what Jesus has done in our lives. Yeah, it's pretty it's a it's a pretty low bar. If you can't talk about that or if, or if you don't have a point of reference for that, then there's probably some serious, you know, issues going on with you being in church, you know. Um, mm. And so, you know, you, you should have a point of reference for this is how Jesus has made a difference in my life. This is this is the quote unquote problem that he has solved um, mm. in my life. And. That's not necessarily going to be, you know, there, there is a distinction between, um, you know, sharing your testimony and sharing the gospel uh, because your testimony may only intersect certain aspects of the gospel. Uh, but sharing the gospel is going to be kind of like a broader um, scope of content, if you will, that you're going to talk about because um, essentially the gospel is what God has done in Christ. And so, um, but learning how to talk about my testimony, I think, is like step one in learning how to be a witness and how to share the gospel. We were just talking about this yesterday as a staff that we are so desperate to have our people who who call Neartown Church home go out into their world, out into the community, uh, where we say like where you live, work, learn, and play. And take that good news and inviting people to experience Jesus as peace. However, um, I think sometimes we spend way too much time on the shoulds. You should go out and do this. You should go do this because you are a Christian and Christians share. So because you're a Christian and, and disciples witness, then go and do it. But what you're talking about is let's, can we back the truck up just a little bit? Like, why is Jesus good to you? <laughs> right? Like why, why is your own salvation being taken from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of life? What's sweet about that? 
Why are you excited about Jesus? Who is he to you? Share that joy. Because if that's not joyous, can we have a conversation perhaps about, right? We can't, we can't just jump to the, the shoulds. The people need to take off and go and do these things if we aren't initially starting at the joy of Jesus, the absolute joy of who he is and what he has done. Is there a, is there a simple way that you have found to talk to believers who are struggling with witnessing to bring them to that place? How do you go about that conversation? Um, yeah, I tend to, I try to do sort of like a, a content and then a practice model of equipping where we do have, um, you know, things we go over, you know, on paper, on the whiteboard, that kind of stuff. But I also want to go out with them uh, in a process of taking baby steps of doing that. And uh, some of it is cold turkey kind of stuff. Um, so on the content side, I typically try to help someone work through their before and after storyline and the mm-hmm. point of conflict that they were having, that Jesus came in and resolved that conflict for them. And so tapping into some of the narrative dynamics about right. how do we tell the story. Um, but I also want to be very clear about the problem that Jesus is solving, uh, the problem that he's addressing. And so when I when I train people, I tend to focus that conversation around human nature, that Jesus came to create a new humanity. And there's things in us that are working against us becoming the thing that God has created us to be. And so Jesus comes to actually uh, pioneer and perfect a new humanity within himself. And so the. uh you know, some people equate evangelism with marketing or sales, right? Like that's sort of a business speak type way mm-hmm. of talking about it. Um, but in any kind of sales or marketing, you got to know what problem your product is solving. Mm-hmm. And so how we frame that problem is going to be really important. And it basically determines how we talk about the solution to that problem. And so we, we, we work through stuff related to that. And that's why resurrection is so important in the message of the gospel because the resurrection is when it's basically the the ultimate moment when jesus finished that pioneering and perfecting of his humanity that his humanity was fully glorified and fully matured um, at the resurrection and death of course stands as a major major obstacle um, in us reaching that finish line ourselves so um, on the practical side of practice, I typically like to go with people on a public bus ride and say, you have to start up a conversation with somebody on the bus and it can be about anything. It can be about their tattoo. It can be about, you know, if they ride the bus on the daily, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter what it is. You can't get off the bus unless you ask somebody a question to start um, a conversation. Now, they may not want to talk. They may not actually talk back to you. But even that baby step, I think, is it helps you flex a certain muscle where we're initiating uh, contact, we're making contact, we're starting a conversation. Um, And sometimes when you go really far out on a boundary, 
it makes other things that are a little bit further in and close to home a lot easier. Mm. Um, and so, you know, talking to your neighbors, talking to people in your workplace, um, doing something extreme like that, talking to a stranger on a bus, uh, can sometimes help that be a little bit more approachable after you get done with something like that. So yeah, it makes witnessing more of a lifestyle, doesn't it? That it, it, it comes, it helps it to become natural. Uh, so if we're standing in a grocery line or if we're at the doctor's office or it were in at a, one of our children's sporting events, uh, being able to have the, the skills to ask questions to, to uh, strike up conversations is a, is a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it really is a lost art. Me and my wife talk about this a lot of times is that I don't know how much of our technology today. Well, I mean, I know it's influencing some, it's some, but everyone's giving input. Everyone is, is basically posting either online or in your face in person. They're just constantly putting out and there's very few people who actually know the art and skill of asking questions, of initiating something where you're not on the platform, where you're trying to facilitate two-way conversation. And I think that that's probably a, a lost skill set um, that needs to be cultivated in order to get into evangelistic activity. Um, what are some so, good questions that you would encourage a disciple to ask mm -hmm. as they might come in contact with others? Yeah, I guess if you're doing cold turkey, then you can kind of uh, ramp up your, um, I guess, your gospel content, if you want to talk about it like that. Uh, if, if people that you're going to be interacting with on the regular, you may want to drip feed and have a softer, more um, possibly even indirect approach uh, because you don't want to shut down that relationship too quickly. But if you're never going to see them again, then. Why not put some stuff out there, you know, that's a little bit more direct. So if we're talking about people, um, you know, that you're out and about and you may not see them again, um, I tend to look for um, uh, some kind of struggle that they may be having or some kind of struggle in the world that we're all seeing. Um, and so I'll, I'll bring up current events. Um, and for me, what I want to do is I want to trace something back to the concept of evil and the idea of, do you think that's the way things are supposed to be? Um, I mean, is this, is this really how life is supposed to be lived? And if you can get kind of some traction on, no, that's, there's something broken here. There's something not right. Then I want to kind of steer the direction and saying, well, why do you think that is? Because I know everybody who, you know, comes out of their mother's womb, doesn't say, hey, I want to be a terrorist, you know, or I want to be a murderer. I want to be someone who beats my spouse or mm. I want to be the jerk at, at work who fires everybody, you know, um, or, you know, nobody starts out wanting to have these dysfunctional things going on. Why do you think those are there? And why is it that we struggle to eliminate them? And I kind of keep it out there talking about those people out there. And then eventually I want to land it with them. And I say, well, what about you? Is there anything that you struggle with that you've tried to overcome it, but you can't? Um, I'll talk about things in my life that, that are like that, that have been like that. And uh, so basically this is kind of following the paradigm that Paul uses with Felix 
Um, he talks about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. And uh, he's establishing a standard. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. There's an ideal that we're supposed to be aiming for. But there's something in us that is seriously inhibiting our our capacity to attain that ideal and to overcome the things that are working against us and continually perpetuate that brokenness in us. And so eventually that kind of raises the question, do you think anything is going to come about because of that brokenness? Because in my brokenness, I contribute to the brokenness of other people. Do you think I'm ever going to be held accountable for that? Is there going to be a day where I'm going to have to give an answer for the ways that I've contributed to the brokenness in other people? And, um, you know, that ends up opening up questions for uh, or conversations about the resurrection. You know, Paul says in Acts 17 that um, when he raised Jesus from the dead, he guaranteed that there will be a day of judgment in which we'll all have to give an account. And so he directly links resurrection and judgment together, which basically means suicide is not a way out. Uh, I typically bring up Hitler in that context. You know, he committed mm-hmm. suicide. Do you think he's ever going to be held accountable? Well, mm-hmm. he doesn't get a pass. He's going to be raised from the dead and he's going to have to give an account. So I guess that's kind of where I go, I guess, on a on a conversation and uh, question level is I'm wanting to get at that human nature problem that issue of self-control and it kind of highlights that struggle and that Jesus basically entered into that struggle and overcame that struggle and was able to reach uh, the fullness of what God created us to be. Um, Hmm. I have a question as you were talking and and how we would interact with others, how we would bring up those gospel conversations, how we would w- walk through kind of that commonality of of shared understanding of our own brokenness and and how we need Jesus. Um, for at least those who are in the American audience who might be listening, there is certainly for me, a uh, child of the eighties, um, a lot of a lot of shoulds uh, that surround sharing the good news. And even if we think about engaging somebody with the gospel, sometimes it's it feels like a bait and switch. Uh, I am going to engage you in this conversation, but not because I actually care about you as a person or this relationship, but just so I can look from my in, just so I can jump in and just say, thank you for saying the word brokenness, because now I can tell you about your brokenness in Jesus. What what do you have to say for those who are so worried about that flippancy that they choose to not share because of that? Yeah, when you say flippancy, I'm assuming you're meaning like the bait and switch yep. concept there. Yeah, I think I think you're bringing up a good point because we live in an advertising culture and everyone's so suspicious about what's your angle, like what is your motive? Uh and what are you going to want from me? You know, when are you going to pop the uh, pop the line about, you know, where's this actually going? And so I do think in that sense, it requires a lot more relationship to establish context and motive. Um, when you're dealing with people, you're going to have more interactions with on the regular. Um, and so I think that idea of, you know, I think Peter addresses this with like good works. 
um, where people see us doing good things and we're not asking for anything in return. Mm-hmm. We're not being manipulative or, you know, bait and switch. Um, so I think there's a lot of, there, there may be more emphasis that needs to be placed on that um, in our day and age with the advertising culture we live in. Um, but at some point I also, you know, think that um, most people who have, who have reservations about that is that they don't want to be a nuisance. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to impose on people. They don't want to be spamming people with their comments. Um, and so that's where I think I would end up talking about uh, being led by the Holy Spirit. And your relationship with the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit leading you to talk to someone. Does he want you to say something to a specific person? What exactly does he want you to say? Um, and being able to function in conversation with the Holy Spirit is very much tied into being a witness. Mm. Um, you know, Acts 1-8 says you'll be a witness when you receive power from the Holy Spirit. And so, um, you know, for people who have a lot of reservations about that, which is typically people who are not gifted with evangelism or apostle, um, I talk a lot about being led by the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't mean you get a pass on mm-hmm. uncomfortable situations. The Holy Spirit may ask you to say something to someone um, that is not going to be comfortable for you, but you can rest assured it's going to be the right thing and it's going to be at the right time. Uh, even if you don't personally feel, feel comfortable with it. Uh, and I, and I would opt for that over, you know, intentionally feeling uncomfortable and awkward just on your own initiative, because we all know that's not the way to go. I am mm-hmm. so thankful that you, you brought that back to the Holy Spirit and a, yeah. a humility that is willing to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading because it, it takes it away from the argument of, uh, how much are you sharing or should you be sharing or in what way are you asking the right question as if it is a mathematical equation that we just need to roll out and we need to logic people in or shame people into the kingdom. Um, instead, it is listening to the Holy Spirit, allowing him to lead. And and something that I you, I can't remember if you actually said this, but I felt it was underlying is that when we are in coordination, we are in communication with the Holy Spirit and we are interacting with others who are around us. And I, and I do mean eh, some people that we might never see again, but also the people that we're interacting with where we live, work, learn and play is that is it led by love? <laughs> is it led by a love for these people? Because if it is led by love and the communication with the Holy Spirit and how to share the best news ever then it doesn't feel like a should. Then it doesn't feel like an argument or or somebody I'm trying to, um, again, argue into the kingdom. I love them. And, and because I love them, I want them to know the best news ever. And I want to share it in a way that they see it as the best news ever and their lifeline, as opposed to just trying to get into a fight with somebody and uh, play the Jesus Trump card and say, bam. You know, that's what you need to do now. Yeah, um, I like that. Um, it makes me, it reminds me of the thing about we're called to be witnesses and not lawyers. Hmm. I think some people, there's a little pithy phrase. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, 
can, uh, can I share an example of maybe how that, you know, what that yeah, looks like? For uh, sure. And this, of course, Please. is with people you may not interact with on the regular. Um, but uh, I was going to AutoZone. You know, you know, when you try to fix on your car, you're guaranteed to make about three trips uh, to, uh, to your auto parts store because you're not sure um, what tools you need. And they don't ever tell you the whole thing when you when you get to the store. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going back to AutoZone about three times. And then the same person always waited on me. And I'm kind of slow evangelistically sometimes when it comes to clues. Um, if I go out with the intention of evangelizing, it's a different story. But if I'm out and about, I sometimes have to be hit over the head. Uh, <laughs> and so I felt like the Lord said, there he is again. Hmm. And so I said, oh, OK. Love. So I asked God, what do you want me to say to him? And so while we're at the checkout and as he's wrapping up the, you know, the the product, I felt like the Lord told me to ask him if he's into me as an into Jesus. Um, And so I said, hey, man, I don't want to make you feel weird or anything. Um, But I felt like the Lord wanted me to ask you a question. And so he got this weird look on his face. And before he gave me would say no, (laughs) I said, "Um, uh, are you into Jesus? And uh, he just stepped back and he looked at me and said, why did you ask me that? And I said, well, I'll be honest, man. I felt like the Lord had told me to ask you that. And he said, well, you know, I, I know who Jesus is. And I said, okay. Anything else? And he's like, no. I said, okay, well, thanks, man. <laughs> um, walked out the door, got in my car, went down to meet a guy at um, McDonald's. And guess who walks through the door as he's running uh, the uh, delivery app for delivering food? It's the same guy at AutoZone. Oh, wow. <laughs> I meet him coming out of the restroom and I say, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm meeting somebody. He's like, well, I'm getting food. And I said, well, man, that's kind of strange that we just met again, isn't it? <laughs> and so a couple hours later, I go down to Walmart. I'm in the checkout line. Guess who walks through the front door of Walmart? Same guy. Wow. Um, and I walk over to him and I said, hey, man, I know you probably think this is weird, but I didn't know you were coming to Walmart. And if I was a spiritual person, I'd say God is trying to tell you something. He wants to. He's trying to communicate with you. And he could be trying to communicate to you through me. I'm just throwing that out there. You know, you can decide for yourself. And uh, he pulled out his car and he said, you know what? I'm a PK. I've been on the run. I haven't been with the Lord in a long time. And um, I said, he's he's like, let me give you my number. And, uh, you know, let's connect sometime. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, in that sense, it's it's a prodigal son, right? He's he's away from the Lord. He's a PK. He's got some issues uh, with religion and church and whatnot. But, um, you know, that's a good example about how the Lord can connect you with somebody and you never know where it's going to lead, you know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a cool story. Just allowing the Holy Spirit to be in attuned to his voice and prompting you and then, and then you acting on that prompting. That's really cool, Tim. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, yeah, if it makes it a lot more fun, for sure. It is allowed to be fun, 
right? So to, to as a reminder to our listeners, um, sharing the good news about Jesus actually can be fun. Um, and I don't want to say should be because like, like you did say, Tim, it isn't talking about Jesus isn't going to save you from awkward conversations or, or hard moments. Um, but if our King really is the Lord over all, then sharing that good news with others is going to be about the best thing that we can do, especially if they hear and receive and, and take steps in repentance towards him. Like that's, to be celebrated it's to be celebrated as one of the best things that we can do uh tim thank you so much for being here on our podcast today if if someone has been encouraged or challenged and they want to kind of follow up even with you or find out more uh, things that tim is doing in the world how can they connect with you yeah you can find me on facebook or you know twitter linkedin also got a website called trimtab.guide And uh, thanks for the opportunity to hang out with y'all. It's been a great conversation. Well, Well, it's been a lot of fun. We have been honored that you joined us. And uh, listeners, thank you for joining us in this next installment in our Make Disciples podcast series. Now, if you want to continue to lean into what God is doing through Ephesiology, visit us online at ephesiology.com. Or go and take one of our Ephesiology masterclasses by going to masterclasses.ephesiology.com. So for Michael, Tim, and myself, thank you for joining us on this Make Disciples podcast series and doing theology and community with us today on the Ephesiology Podcast.